Truth News Network. What really is the price of freedom? Do you know? Is it the fight to let men into women's bathrooms? The fight to groom children into an agenda in the schools? Or is it the fight to stifle dissent and so-called misinformation? Truth is, it's none of those things. If you'd like to see it, the price of freedom is visible and on display at your local VA hospital. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, and your master of fact is Dan Newman. If you're an American and you just haven't swallowed hook, line, and sinker, all of the things that um, keeps getting thrown out there, and you're tempted to believe those far-left networks that tell us they're news networks, and they just pound everything conservatism, everything about conservatives, pound it and pound it and pound it, and give everybody else a free pass, even though in many of those cases, the corruption... The grifting is front and center. How can that be allowed to stand? Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. I'm Dan Newman, and today's a very special day. Why is that? We're almost to the middle of the dog days of summer month, August, and it is hot. I don't care where you are in the United States and many parts of the world right now. Climate change has got us in this fix, right? Of course. Ask John Kerry. And we're going to do just that in a little bit. You're going to hear today from John Kerry, former U.S. Senator, former Secretary of State, former presidential candidate, and married to one of the wealthiest women in the United States of America, taking advantage of all of that good. And, of course, he thinks he is the enlightened one on the science, if there is such a thing, science of climate change. And let me just give you a little peep of what Kerry's going to hear today and what he's going to say. He's going to be confronted by a member of the House of Representatives about lies regarding climate change with facts. Uh Uh-oh. We know what facts do around here, don't we? You're also going to hear from Jesse Waters talking about the calls of racism by a specific group. You're going to love this. And then front and center also this morning, Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Conversation with him about how much money the Mexican cartels are making off of President Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas's decisions that they're making. It just gets deeper and deeper, and more so than ever. We need facts. We need to get into the facts of everything, good, bad, and ugly. Throw out the politics today. You think we can do that? Let's just dig in on the truth. We're going to do that together today and have a good time doing it because the truth sets you free. It was late last night. I was feeling something wasn't right. There was not another soul in sight. Only you, only you. So we walked along. Though I knew that there was something wrong.
course, there are some other things we're going to talk about this morning that really don't have much to do with the president, his administration. Uh, well, at least doesn't have to do with him directly. There's plenty of blame to pass around for a lot of the things that American people are blaming somebody about just to try to get some answers and put a stop to it. So in the middle of all of this insanity, guess what sneaks out over the weekend? Some information about the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS. This one is going to frost you. And let me challenge you. You listen to this and then go try to find it at mainstream media. Guess what? It isn't there, but it is here. The IRS has lost millions, millions of taxpayer information, sensitive tax records, and they don't have a clue where they are. Listen to this one. Millions, I repeat, millions of sensitive tax records are missing. Yeah. Do you know what happened? Well, they're, we know that they're missing. We don't know what happened. So the IRS is required to keep backups of business tax records and individual ones. They're kept for decades um, on microfilm cartridges. Yeah. Well, several batches are missing. That's millions of taxpayer information. So the inspector general for the IRS says seven boxes filled with these cartridges um, are empty in a Utah facility. And then they also said many more are missing when they were transferring from a California location to a Missouri location. Mm. So, right? If, if we don't know, if someone stole this information, that could be potential Tax yeah. fraud. Identity yeah. fraud. Oh, yeah. Blackmail. This is a huge deal. Blackmail. Uh, yeah. Raising, and the other question is, we, we do know that the IRS works with outdated. Yeah. They work with outdated everything. But yet they are the most powerful branch of our government. Even, in my opinion, and the opinions of people that know a lot more than I do, they're even more powerful than under Department of Justice. And think about what the Department of Justice is doing right now. Our DOJ is shaping the 2024 election, putting the people that they feel should be the ones in the election, putting them there. Oh, forget about the American people and what the American people think. It's what the endowed hard left believe should be. And pretty much everything you're going to see and hear from the Department of Justice several other branches of government between now and the 2024 election is going to be all under the heading of CYA. CYA, cover your booty. They have a lot to hide too, a whole lot to hide. So let me just spend a few minutes today talking about the 900-pound gorilla in the room, and that is the fact that David Weiss was named on Friday as the special counsel in the Hunter Biden investigation. And when that happened, if you watched, listened, read anything over the weekend, it is everywhere. Lines drawn right down the middle. No, it's not evil. Yes, it is evil. We're not going to get facts. Oh, this is the only way to get facts. Not only 
did our Attorney General Merrick Garland not select someone from outside the DOJ, which, by the way, is what is supposed to happen. The person who was appointed special counsel is supposed to be independent. And therefore, that's why the rule that created the special counsel position plainly states, don't put anybody from within the government as a special counsel because there automatically will be a bunch of conflicts of interest. And so what did our president, what did our attorney general, what did they do? What they always do, thumb their nose at the rules, at the laws, at the Constitution, and they just did what they wanted to do. So not only did Merrick Garland do that, but he selected a prosecutor who has been credibly accused by whistleblowers of running a fixed investigation of who? Hunter Biden. Now remember, this guy, David Weiss, federal attorney from Delaware, he's the guy that put together that horrendous plea deal for Hunter Biden, where Hunter just pled uh, guilty to a couple of minor IRS violations, (laughs) and actually it was all-out tax fraud. And he wasn't going to go to jail for any of that. David Weiss is the guy that put that all together. And by the way, part of that deal that didn't come out until the day it went before that judge that was supposed to be the one that heard the whole case against Hunter and sentenced him based upon that plea deal. And when she saw everything, she asked a few questions, as a judge should do. Like, is this going to have any impact on anything that might pop up in the future about Hunter Biden? And of course... The attorneys had to say, well, yes, sir, this would give him blanket immunity. They didn't tell us that, did they? Now, that's bad enough, all this. But the most glaring problem was the failure of the attorney general to expand that mandate of the investigation to include at the same time the growing corruption scandal involving President Joe Biden. I know Democrats in Congress, they want to lop off. They want to make the two totally uninvolved with each other things. You know, there's Hunter, and then there's President. And we know Hunter Biden is, he is a accident waiting to happen. We know all that. He's trying to get himself together. And, you know, he made some bad choices, but we all do. And he was getting back on his feet after a bad drug addiction. We got to give the guy a chance, don't we? Oh, and don't even think about President Biden being involved in it, according to members of Congress. (laughs) Every time they talked on the phone with these uh, foreign dignitaries, money people, all of this, those conversations that Joe told us for months and months and months and even years. I had never talked to my son about any of his foreign business deals. We find out he did, a bunch of them. Credible witnesses, multiple witnesses have not only told us he did it, but named the ones and the circumstances under which he did it. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. There appears no evidence 
that Merrick Garland is going to accept as warranting an investigation into corruption allegations involving now we've passed the $20 million in transfer mark that we know happened from a variety of foreign interests, including some with ties to foreign intelligence. Was the president involved in this or not? The special counsel is not even looking into any of that. Why would any credible attorney general structure this that way? Thumb his nose at the rules, you know, make a special counsel and appoint somebody from outside of the government. It's plain. It's in black and white. It's right there. What did he do? Thumbed his nose at it. David Weiss is the one that crafted that plea deal that was kicked out of court that gave Hunter Biden blanket just unity to just truck on. No accountability. None whatsoever. And by the way, there are a bunch of Americans that did some of the same things, even some things not as bad as Hunter did on the tax return stuff, that went to jail for years. And this special prosecutor was going to give Hunter a pass, no jail time. So where's the media in all this? Well, for its part, they're adopting the same position as does Merrick Garland, willful blindness. Indeed, it has now a new demand before it will fully recognize the report on the scandal. They want to see Joe Biden actually accepting money. Like Garland, they will not independently investigate, will not take growing evidence of an elaborate system of accounts used to hide these payments. You can make one little pass around the courthouses in in Delaware and find out. What are you talking about, Dan? Four homes, four multi-million dollar homes. All of them have deeds. All of them with deeds on file. All the information about who the buyer was, who the seller was, where the money came from. If you think Joe Biden, who made $250,000 for eight years as vice president, and $170,000, even less than that over his 50 years in the U.S. Senate, can buy about, oh, I don't know, $15 million of luxury homes? You think he can do that without a little scratch-my-back stuff? You're drinking something very, very alcoholic. Shh. (laughs) Of course, after long repeated denials by Joe that he ever knew about Hunter's foreign business deals, now the media's got to recognize that Hunter was selling influence and access to his daddy. So they came up with a demand that critics show the very thing that this system of accounts was designed to avoid. Direct deposits to Joe. It is what in literature is called the impossible task demand, like the Slavic tale of Tsar artering a suitor to go there he does not know where, and to get that he does not know what. A direct bribe given to Joe Biden in an envelope or a direct deposit, it's impossible 
Call it the highly improbable task. After all, Louisiana former Representative William Jefferson was found with cold hard cash in his freezer in his home in New Orleans. However, among professional influence peddlers, a direct payment to the principal would be viewed as sacrilegious, enough for a lifetime ban from the major corruption league called the political system. Jefferson, nothing but an amateur. The Bidens have been the influence peddling business masters for decades. Hunter told his Chinese contacts that they are the best at what these foreign figures wanted from them. In fact, that oligarch from Ukraine that gave him all kinds of money, he laughed about it and said this, they'll never find this money we gave them. We've perfected the process, and they do it by setting up multiple layers of shell corporations in different people's names. They send money to the first one that sends, breaks it up and sends part of it to this one and another one and those two. They break it up and send money to this one and this one and this one. It's layers deep. Only a certifiable moron today would deposit any of the $20 million documented by the House in an actual account of Joe or Joe Biden. Those accounts are subject to continual monitoring and potential subpoenas. Instead, Congress has found dozens of those shell companies and accounts used by the Bidens to hide the transfer of millions to Biden family members, including even grandchildren. Now, what could those grandchildren, most of them just barely old enough to read and write, why in the world should they be getting all this foreign money from overseas? What do you think they did to garner it? Same thing Hunter did. Born with the last name Biden, with Uncle Joe. This includes references to bills of Joe Biden being paid out of joint accounts, benefits from deals that might include free offices. At the same time, these foreign sources sent money direct to the Biden Family Fund, a financial legacy that Joe Biden would leave in the form of millions of foreign contributions. Now think about it. He's 80 years old. Millions in wealth already. Joe is likely more motivated by moving wealth to his family than to himself. After all, looks like those mansions that he goes to every weekend and rotates them around, yeah, they're all paid for. There, of course, were also alleged deliverables. Deliverables, you know what that is. It's when I give you something, I expect you to give me something. In addition to calling that quid pro quo, which is where Joe Biden got the name quid pro quo Joe, it's called deliverables. I give you something, you deliver me something. Devin Archer just a couple of weeks ago confirmed that Hunter's Ukrainian clients wanted the help of the Bidens in getting rid of that Ukrainian prosecutor, Victor Shokin. Joe Biden himself bragged about doing it, even talked about basically blackmailing the former president of Ukraine to fire Victor Shokin, who was investigating Burisma Holdings when Hunter Biden was on the board getting paid 83 $83,333 a month. That's a million a year. Biden would later insist on 
Shokin being fired is a condition for that billion-dollar loan guarantee by the U.S. For years, the media insisted, there's no evidence of influence peddling. There's no evidence of contradicting the president. So while most of these reporters required little, if any, to push false accounts of Russia collusion or Russia disinformation, that, by the way, included the dismissal by the FBI, even denying they had it for over a year, Hunter Biden's laptop, they, it's laughable, but they're demanding a virtual confession from Joe or an actual deposit slip to his bank account. When confronted with a transfer of millions and what Devin Archer now calls categorically false denials by the president, the media, they're positively exasperated, like the Queen and Alice of Wonderland. You remember that? It is insisting that the public should not assume that the influence sold was influence realized. Oh, yeah, they kept sending money. You didn't give them what you told them you'd give them if they sent money, but they're just going to keep sending it. They just need to believe in the Bidens and the illusion of influence. That's okay. That's all we need. When Alice says that she cannot believe impossible things, the queen snaps back and said, I dare say you haven't had much practice. Why, sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. I think Joe's got that even in his cognitively diminished state. He's got that down to a science. The media has shown that it's possible to believe six impossible things to avoid the reality of this Biden family syndicate scandal. Accordingly, the media now will accept that there was influence peddling, but will treat it as an illusion until that direct payment is shown to President Biden himself rather than his family. So in this final demand, The media is relying entirely on the skill of the Bidens in hiding payments and avoiding any incriminating deposits. Biden himself laughs all the time and taunts reporters. And he's asked these reporters this again and again. Where's the money? Where's the money? (laughs) When confronting on calling Hunter and his business partners roughly 20 times, He and the White House have pointed out that he merely talked about the weather and pleasantries. The media, they've largely ignored that only a moron would conduct business on a speakerphone at a dinner at the popular Cafe Milano around the corner from the U.S. Capitol. The point of the calls to prove the bona fides of Hunter selling influence and access to his father. The true illusion here was the Bidens in getting this scandal to disappear in front of millions of Americans. The key to the Hohenesque trick was to get the media to invest in the deception like audience members call to the stage. The reporters have to back the illusion or even admit that they were part of the deception. Even with millions funneled to the Biden family, that is uncontroverted. And acknowledgments that they were selling the Biden brand, oh, that's not enough. Even the use of a ridiculous complex array of a couple of dozen entities 
to transfer money without any known purpose, oh, that's not enough. It's far easier to demand to see something no self-respecting Beltway bandit would commit. What's that? That after creating this labyrinth of shell companies and accounts, the Bidens went ahead and just did the equivalent to a Venmo payment directly to Joe and Jill. It may not be impossible, but it is as improbable as Attorney General Merrick Garland actually appointing an independent counsel to fully investigate the Biden corruption scandal. <laughs> I have come up with an amazing conclusion to this whole thing and something that has to be done if the American people can have any hope at all that these people that we know have handed millions, tens of millions of dollars around illegally. If you want to get to it, there's only one way to do it. What is that? Sit tight. It's up next. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Duncan. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Yeah. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Work on my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. Starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Ready to take your Jenga skills to the next level? If you are an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks, then build up the competition in new Jenga Maker. Play in teams to finish first and claim the crown. Jenga and new Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game, each sold separately. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the. I, I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurant. Mmm. That does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure. I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal. Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. 
Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. When the left seeks to impeach a president for resisting efforts to frame him, you need clarity. And you get it right here at TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. The only way possible to hold any of those that are part of this Biden family syndicate grift to hold them accountable. I'm going to tell you the only way that's going to work in just a minute. But before I do, I wanted to do this. Let's just run down the timeline of just one little piece of it. Which piece is that? The Ukrainian grift. I'm going to do that real quickly. All the way back, it begins. May 12, 2014. Burisma announced Hunter Biden joined its board of directors. Now, they paid him a million dollars a year. Now, let me put that in the context of what everybody on boards of corporations, 2014's median total board member compensation, at the 235 companies in 35 nations, 31 industries. Okay, Hunter got a million a year. You know what the average is of all those other 235 companies? $31,500 a year. Oh, and by the way, Hunter was a self-confessed crackhead at the time. Zero experience in energy. Let's move on. March 20th, 2015. Hunter organized a business dinner at Cafe Milano in D.C. where he had his father just stop by the dinner to meet a high-level Burisma official, Vadim Porshavsky. Whether these two talk business or the weather, the message was clear. Hunter could call Daddy and Daddy would drop by the meeting. November 2015, Porshavsky suggests high-level U.S. officials come to Ukraine and talk with Viktor Shokin, that prosecutor general, and President Petro Poroshenko about Mykola Zlochevsky's investigations. Prosecutor Shokin was investigating Burisma and Burisma's, Burisma's owner, Zlochevsky. What for? For fraud. Four days later, Amos Hochstein, a high-level U.S. government official working for the Obama-Biden administration and met with Hunter and talked about Burisma. Oh, at the White House, by the way. November 11th, Amos Hochstein meets with Vice President Biden in the West Wing. November 12th, Hochstein calls Hunter Biden. The next day, Vice President Biden announces, hey, I'm going to go to Ukraine. November 14th, Vadim Porshavsky emails Hunter confirmation the VP will be traveling to Ukraine. December 7th, Biden arrives in Ukraine, demands Prosecutor General Shokin be fired if Ukraine wants a $1 billion in International Monetary Fund IMF loans. December 9th, VP Biden departs Ukraine, gets a commitment from Poroshenko that Prosecutor General Shokin will be fired. One week later, the 17th, VP Biden hosts a holiday party at the vice presidential residence, which Amos Hochstein and Hunter Biden both went to. Month later, January 20th, 2016, now where we are, Vice President Biden met with President Poroshenko in Switzerland 
at the World Economic Forum, where Biden reinforced the linkage between the loan guarantee and necessary reforms. February 4th, Mikola Zolchevsky gives Hunter Biden unspecified extravagant birthday gifts. I would have thought a million dollars a year <laughs> would be a sufficient birthday president. What about you? February 11th, a week later, VP Biden and President Poroshenko conduct a call. February 16th, President Poroshenko asked Prosecutor General Shokin to resign. Two days later, Vice President Biden calls Poroshenko to thank him for calling on Prosecutor General Shokin to resign. The next day, President Poroshenko says he received Prosecutor General Shokin's letter of resignation. A month and a week later, Ukrainian Parliament approves President Poroshenko's firing of Shokin. January 23rd, 2018. Quote, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. You remember that? We've played this. You've seen it over and over again. Biden's telling President Petro Poroshenko and Prime Minister Arsenyi Yanatsyuk in Kiev on December 9, 2015. He bragged on camera at the Council on Foreign Relations. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting that $1 billion. Well, SOB, he got fired. Hunter Archer Hunter Archer, Devin Archer said, quote, I think Burisma would have gone out of business if it didn't have the brand attached to it. And he elaborated the brand terminology arose in the context of the Biden family. Archer added that he meant no one else in the Biden family. It was Hunter Biden and him. As if pitching a new business Hunter once boasted that the Bidens are the best at delivering results for their high-dollar clients. Who could disagree? Even the president's critics have got to admire the Bidens' world-class customer service. They have perfected the grifting that goes along with politics at the highest level in the United States. I want to get into this David Weiss special counsel stuff. I really do. But I don't want to go there right now. I really don't. I, here's, here's the thing, folks. The history of Merrick Garland in our government. He was a federal judge on the D.C. court when Barack Obama was president, Joe Biden was vice president. Remember that opening came up at the Supreme Court. Barack Obama nominated Merrick Garland to be the next Supreme Court. This was at the end, the very end of Barack and Joe's uh, tenure at the White House as president and vice president. And Mitch McConnell was a majority leader of the Senate at the time where you have to, anytime you have a Supreme Court nominee, it has to be run through the U.S. Senate, have to be hearings, all that kind of stuff. And Mitch McConnell had the authority to take it up or not. This is in the last two months of Obama's presidency, and he chose not to do it. Okay. That's where this 
thing with Merrick Garland began, you can almost see what happened. Barack Obama, who many think is behind the scenes and is actually calling all the shots of the Biden administration. In fact, when he was asked before this um, election happened, before Donald Trump was elected, he was asked, Barack Obama was asked, we played it here a, a bunch of times, if he, if he could run for a third term as president, would he do it? And Obama thought about it for a second. Then he said, you know what? If I could not be the guy out front, and I'm paraphrasing, but if I could be the one that was behind the scenes making things happen, I could do that. I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to do that. I, I think he was being prophetic. Maybe he didn't even know it, but that, I believe, and I'm, there are people far smarter than me that believe that because all this mess that we're in, Hunter Biden could never fathom getting us there. As bad as it is, he's had some coaching along the way by somebody. So here we are. You got Merrick Garland at the top. He hated Donald Trump. Makes that very obvious by what he's done regarding the former president. All the stuff that's happened, the witch hunt again and again and again during uh, this part so far of the Biden administration, anti-Donald Trump, it's all at the feet of the Attorney General Merrick Garland. So you're, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, and there are many things about this details I don't have, nor do you, but in the 10,000-foot area, the arena up there, getting away from the weeds on the ground, but getting back a little more objectively and looking down, here's what I see. They're not going to get Joe Biden. They're not going to get Joe Biden through the Justice Department. It won't happen. Anybody that thinks that David Weiss, who is scheduled to appear before Congress and answer questions about that Hunter Biden plea deal and the and that whole investigation that was supposedly going on for years and it came to nothing, don't think for a second now that he's going to go before Congress. He won't have to. You know why? That famous thing they all say. Christopher Ray says it all the time. Anybody that's a Democrat that's in this administration, when they come before Congress to be held through the oversight process and a questionable or a hard question to answer is asked them by any member of Congress, what do they always say? I'm sorry, but there's an ongoing investigation, and by the policy of the Department of Justice, I can't answer that. That's all you're going to get all the way through it. So what's going to happen, Dan? What can be done? The only way Merrick Garland, the only way Alejandro Mayorkas, the only way Javier Becerra, who's the Secretary of Health and Human Services, and the only way Joe Biden is going to be held accountable is to open immediately a massive impeachment process against all of them or one at a time. I think it would be more effective and it would dominate the news if they did at least Joe Biden and Merrick Garland 
at the same time. And I've had people tell me, and I've already heard, Mike Johnson on this show, Congressman Mike Johnson, he said the problem is in the House we have the power and we've got enough people to start an impeachment process. But even if we impeach President Biden or Mayorkas or any of them, it'll only go to the U.S. Senate to have a trial. They have unilateral authority to try based upon the articles that are presented them from the House. And it takes 60 votes in the Senate to convict anybody that's being impeached. And that's not going to happen. I know this. There are many real impartial investigators floating around the Washington, D.C. area. And I'm going to say something here, and he doesn't know I'm going to say it. Steve Baker, I know a lot of investigative journalists, Steve Baker by far is the best that I know or have heard of personally. The United States House of Representatives can get enough evidence by doing really egregious investigations to find enough evidence to prove Joe Biden is corrupt, to prove Merrick Garland is corrupt, to prove FBI Director Christopher Wray is corrupt. If you just put your noses to the ground, you're not going to go through the regular rule of law process, constitutional process, and trust this attorney general to push through with a normal, everyday, all-hands-on-deck investigation of himself of the president. Short of that, I don't think we'll get it. I think it's going to die on the vine unless we go for the juggler. And I don't have a vote in that. (laughs) And neither did you. I want to do something now. I told you I'd tell you that. That's my thought. I may be right. I may be wrong. I hope I'm right and that those, like Congressman Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, they have the power to do this. And there's enough conservative media out there on a daily basis. They need to make this the most public investigations ever in the history of the nation. Try it, whatever it is. Bring it to the American people and trust us. If you do that, There are enough of us to push to see that righteousness is done. But if you keep it inside the swamp, it will never be effective. It'll never happen. I just mentioned Alejandro Mayorkas. He got in front of a congressional hearing hearing last week. And I want you to listen to this very short little get-together with one congressman embarrassed him by asking him a question. Nobody's asked Mayorkas. I haven't heard it asked at all. How much revenue have the cartels received during your tenure? Congressman, I don't have that data. Do you have any, you have no estimate about that whatsoever? That you bear in your mind what revenues cartel, Mexican drug cartels have, have received during your tenure as secretary? 
Congressman, the cartels are very profitable. They were very profitable three years ago, and they were very profitable six years ago. Are they making more or less revenue under your tenure now than under previous administrations? And I will tell you this, that we are unrelenting in more our or, I, I understand your efforts, sir. What I'm talking about are your results. Are they making more or less revenue under your tenure than your predecessors? We have arrested more criminals involved in cartel activity than in the prior. Do you not years. know whether they're making more revenue or are you simply evading my question? Congressman, I, I believe I answered your question that I do not have that data. <laughs> he does not like to answer questions with real answers. And so far, I've never seen him get caught. I mean, there are a lot of people. Congressman Mike Johnson has won two weeks ago. He just he just hatcheted Alejandro Mayorkas. If you remember the soundbite, uh, we played it here like the next day. At the end of it, Mike told him, he said, "My all my time in Congress and on the Judiciary Committee, you are the worst witness I've ever seen. He didn't say most dishonest, but I know Mike. That was really what he was talking about, what he was driving at. Other news going on out there. There's a lot. Um, let me just throw in a little uh, new thing that came out over the weekend about Hunter. Hunter Biden's Kazakh oligarch, Kazakhstan. The oligarch there, business partner Kness Rakashev. Hired him, now this is Hunter, hired Rakashev as a consultant to invest millions in the U.S. and sent Hunter $142,000 to buy a Porsche. And we already told you about that. Rakashev is allegedly owner of a company that makes mine-resistant armored vehicles, which were seen driven by Chechen troops when they invaded Ukraine. In 2013, Rakashev was embroiled in a DOJ investigation of alleged breaches of the Foreign Corruption Practices Act. But he was never charged with anything. Rakashev is only 44 years old. He's allegedly co-owner of Kazakhstan Paramount Engineering, which makes Arlen mine-resistant armored platform vehicles. That's according to a new report by Transparency Group, the Kazakhstani Initiative on Asset Recovery based on Rakashev's leaked emails. These tank-like armored trucks were spotted on the streets of Mariupol in April of 2022, driven by Chechen troops that invaded Ukraine alongside troops from Russia. Now, we're dealing with this guy. Hunter Biden is dealing with this guy. Do you know anything, Dan? We know a lot about Rakashev. We do. But the bottom line is, folks, these are people who are in a circle. Now, let's just say in your circle you've got multiple rings. You know, one's a little bit outside another. But inside these circles, there's a lot of commonality. And all of these people play into what is certainly being considered real maybe yet to be confirmed. Some of it has already been confirmed. 
Kiar's report, Kiar, K-I-A-R apostrophe S, report from Kiar says, Rakashev has co-owned that company since 2015 with the South African defense contractor, Paramount Group. His ownership has been obfuscated behind, as they do over there, a complex corporate structure, but has now been revealed after emails were leaked. He's reportedly worth over $300 million. He has close ties to his country's military. His father-in-law was the former defense secretary of Kazakhstan and was on the board of another firm that supplied military trucks to Russia. The armored Arlen truck manufacturer KPE has denied any relationship with Russia's military, saying they gave one such vehicle to Putin's National Guard back in 2019, but that further cooperation with Russia did not continue. They also claim that Kness Rakashev have nothing to do with the enterprise. But in this report by Kiar, based on corporate records and Rakashev's leaked emails, these reports say he controlled two companies that own KPE, that's Kaz Petromash, an inner tech audit. So what is this all about? This is part of this whole layer upon layer, little bitty company that owns little bitty company that owns another couple of little bitty companies and they just put money in the chute and it goes from here to there and it keeps going down the line and it's so diluted it's really almost impossible to know where it initiated from. But we always have a pretty good idea down at the bottom of the funnel where it's going to go. Biden grandkids, Biden kids, brothers, sisters, all these people just got fat. And they got fat because Joe Biden was vice president and is now is now at the middle of all of this. We just can't stand by people. We just can't do it and let it stand. We've got to face evil and do something about it. And we can do it. And if we don't do it, we're going to pay a big, 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 big price. Let me tell you something good that's totally unrelated to any of this this morning. On June 15th last year, a freshman legislator in my state, Louisiana's House of Representatives, accomplished something no other lawmaker or activist in the country could claim doing. She passed a law that is changing the online porn industry. Now, if you think this was the result of a bitter culture war battle, think again. Listen closely. Pornography is creating a public health crisis and having a corroding influence on minors. This is in the bill that State Representative Laurie Schlegel introduced. Almost nobody in the Capitol in Baton Rouge disputes that statement. And the bill sell through the House 96 to 1. And the Senate unanimously 34-0. This bill holds pornography websites liable 
unless the websites perform reasonable age verification methods. In short, requiring users to show government ID to prove that they're 18 or older. So our governor, John Bell Edwards, no fan of the legislature's Republican supermajority, signed the bill in only a week after it got to his desk. I promise you, he has no qualms about vetoing our bills, this Representative Schlegel said. In fact, earlier this summer, the governor had unsuccessfully vetoed a bill banning puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and elective surgery for minors, calling it so blatantly defective on so many levels. Though this was the very first of its kind, Louisiana's age verification bill wasn't the last. Nearly identical bills have passed in six other states, Arkansas, Montana, Mississippi, Utah, Virginia, and Texas, by similarly lopsided margins. In Utah and Arkansas, the bills passed unanimously. The laws were passed by overwhelming margins in legislatures controlled by both parties and signed into law by Democrat and Republican governors alike. In just over one year, age verification laws have become perhaps the most bipartisan policy in the country, and they're creating havoc in a porn industry that many had considered all but impossible to actually regulate. There have been past efforts to curb online porn that they simply declared the sites a danger to public health. These laws are not symbolic, and they are having real effects on how the massive online porn industry does its business. Porn Hub, the YouTube of pornography, gets more global users than Amazon or Netflix. In 2019, the last year Porn Hub Hub released its data. The site was visited 42 billion times. You break that down. You know how many times a day that is? 42 billion in a year is 115 million times every day. Now, lawsuits have been filed by the Porn Industries Trade Association, the Free Speech Coalition, against Utah and Louisiana. But in the meantime... Porn companies, they don't have any choice but to comply with the laws. According to Ethical Capital Partners, the private equity company that owns Pornhub, traffic in Louisiana, and this is why I'm giving you this story, traffic in Louisiana alone has dropped 80%. Now, what does this mean, Dan? It's one of the few things that I've seen get Passed at any level that is based purely on the content of what it contains. A lawmaker recognized a serious issue, and it's among our children, and actually took a step to put something out there to tackle head-on this dilemma. And it happened, and it's making positive things happen and stopping really negative things from happening to children, at least in Louisiana and these other states. Why can't we do this at the national level? Well, I need to rephrase my question. We can. We all know we can. Why don't we do this at the national level? 
Okay, we're going to take our second break of the day. On the other side of this, Mr. John Kerry, our climate czar, you're going to hear from him and it'll blow your mind what uh, he's confronted with. And we're going to explain to you what came out over the weekend. Very quietly over the weekend, it slipped out. And it's a statement and a letter from the letter that our former president, Barack Obama, a letter that he wrote to an ex-girlfriend. And I'm going to read you the first line. This is Barack Obama saying this in a letter to his ex-girlfriend. I make love to men daily. That's a quote. Verified. Barack Obama said to a girlfriend in a letter, former girlfriend, I make love to men daily. Details next. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy. A wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's biggie bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. When the press takes their marching orders from powerful special interests, you want a direct source for the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, Dan Newman. All right. I put it out there, and I'm going to follow up with facts. I told you something that, um, very controversial, but it is a quote. Former President Barack Obama wrote in a letter to his ex-girlfriend saying over 40 years ago, that he makes love to men daily. He makes love to men daily. But there's a caveat. He added this this phrase, but in my imagination. Obama was 21 at the time. He wrote to ex-girlfriend, 
named Alex McNear in November of 82 that his mind is androgynous. That's according to the letter the New York Post got from Obama biographer and Pulitzer Prize-winning historian David Garrow. Garrow talked about his 2017 biography on the former president, Rising Star, The Making of Barack Obama, in a tablet magazine interview. And in that interview, he revealed how he got the letter. In regard to homosexuality, he said, I must say that I believe this is an attempt to remove oneself from the present, a refusal perhaps to perpetuate the endless farce of earthly life. Now that's from this letter Barack Obama wrote to that girl, former girlfriend, McNear. You see, I make love to men daily, but in my imagination. My mind is androgynous to a great extent, and I hope to make it more so until I can think in terms of people, not women, as opposed to men. But in returning to the body, I see that I have been made a man, and physically in life, I choose to accept that contingency. McNair initially redacted one paragraph of the letter about homosexuality when she gave it to Garrow for use in the book, though she sold the letter around the time of the biography's publication, enabling it to end up at Emory University, Garrow said. Garrow told Tablet he sent his friend, Harvey Clur to the Emory archives to copy the letter, which the university would not allow him to take pictures of. The New York Post reported Claire provided it with a copy of the letter's contents. I'm a historian, not a psychologist, but I think it's public record. News that a vast majority of human beings have sexual fantasies. That's Garrow talking to the New York Post. So uh, Emory University in Atlanta about the, them having a, this collection of nine of Obama's letters they span the years 1982 to 1984, after he transferred to Columbia University. This is according to the university website. The letters reveal the search of a young man for meaning and identity. Emory University Stuart A. Rose Manuscript, Archives and Rare Book Library Director Rosemary McGee said in a statement when the collection was announced. not going to pontificate about it. I'm just telling you that is a direct quote and it has been confirmed that it's real. It's truthful. You figure out what you think the former president meant when he said that stuff. I mentioned our former, let's see, John Kerry was a Vietnam vet. He was a U.S. senator. He was a Secretary of State. He was a candidate for the presidency. And then now I guess he's the climate czar for Joe Biden. And by the way, just so you know, typically when there is a nomination or an appointment by any president in any administration, that person and the fact that they are being brought into the government, it's got to be confirmed in the U.S. Senate. That's kind of the way it always is, but uh, Joe Biden went under the radar screen. Kerry, nobody knows anything about it. Nobody knows how much he gets paid, 
We don't know who the people are in his staff, on his staff. We don't know anything about the expenses of that operation, although you and I are paying for them. So, I want you to listen to this. John Kerry, who is self-appointed now that Al Gore's out of the business, he's the go-to, I know everything, everything possible, I have every truth regarding climate change. And he's preaching about that, he's going around the world, he's caught in all kinds of lies and tales that he can't get out of. But this one may take the cake. As a matter of fact, not, we're in not the, one people, of the lowest not, not human beings walking around. We're in no. one of the lowest periods of carbon in the atmosphere in not only recorded history, in the history of life existing on the planet. Now, I said you said you didn't know, but since 2015, since the last El Nino, about 500 billion tons have been, have been emitted into the atmosphere. During that same period of time, 2015, if you look at the temperature graph, this is from NOAA. The temperature has gone down. Show the next slide. This is from NASA satellite data. Temperature has gone down. You want to have the, uh, have, uh, the American taxpayers, my constituents that are having a hard time afford their groceries, pay for a car, buy a new home, spend $1.6 quadrillion to fix a problem that, A, doesn't exist, and as a matter of fact, you might be exacerbating because it's unknown. Why do you think 195 countries in the world, their prime ministers, their presidents... Because they're grifting they're- like you are, sir. Ooh, that last question, Kerry asked. Why do you think 195 countries, prime ministers, presidents, what he was going to ask is why do you think they believe that climate change is real and that we're not beating it, we're not gaining on it? And the congressman cut him off and said the reason they feel that and say that is because they're grifters just like you are. In all my years, when when John Kerry, when when the whole mess came up about his, when he was running for president, he made all kinds of claims about things that he did. He saved men's lives in a boat thing up and down rivers in Vietnam, and we found out he was lying about it all later. That just kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. And then listening to him pontificate when he talks. The only real positive thing John Kerry ever did, and it had nothing to do good for you or for me, it's he married, he married Teresa Hines Kerry, Hines, Hines Ketchup, all that big, huge mega corporation. That's his wife. And so he's living kind of luxuriously, I think anybody could say. And I don't, I don't, I don't say or think anything bad about him for that. More power to him. But he has a problem with the truth. And I guess that's the reason he never shares his truthful stuff. He always goes for the the radical end. And he's, in this regard, he is parroting Al Gore. Because Al Gore self-proclaimed himself to be the climate czar when he lost his bid for the presidency against Bush, Bush 43. He launched into this thing, and Al Gore made millions of dollars from that, as John Kerry is doing too. And, of course, they don't turn over any of those details to us. And because he's flying below the radar screen in the Biden administration, we don't have anything 
to even look at. The House can't even look at anything to hold him accountable, even though all of his stuff is being paid for by you and I. He's a grifter. But you know what? He's not quite as big a grifter as is the guy in the White House when it comes to things to do with our climate. What specifically are you thinking about, Dan, now? What is one of Joe Biden's go-to panaceas for anything and everything climate-related? Electric cars. Electric cars. Oh, my gosh. He's come out with all of these executive bills and things that are requiring down the road certain roadmaps have got to be reached points in the road we've got to achieve this we've got to achieve this by such and such we got to get rid of this rid of that none of it's based on science none of it is and so his electric car demands is the most obvious out to lunch thing he has ever said biden official in public pushing radical electric vehicle mandates. You know, we've got to achieve this. We've got to achieve this. And this guy didn't have a clue what he was talking about when he was confronted with electric vehicle facts. Listen closely. How much electricity does the United States demand each year? Uh, I don't know that number off the top of my head. Okay, it's four terawatts annually. So the Secretary of Energy didn't know it. The EPA doesn't know it. FERC probably doesn't know it. Who else doesn't know it in this country? And we're mandating electric vehicles. You guys have no idea how much demand is going to be there. Where is that electricity going to come from? Uh, it come from uh, a, a diverse grid. It's 110 degrees in my hometown today. The wind is not blowing. The sun is shining. And after four hours of darkness, there will be no batteries on this planet that can produce a reliable source of baseload dispatchable power. We have no plan for this. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Anthony Fauci, oh my gosh, he's still got some kind of thing going on with our government. And after all, they need to talk to Fauci. Why? Well, he told us for years and it's been parroted by everybody, including the president and this guy, this Biden official on electric vehicles. Follow the science you got to look at the science. And that member of Congress you just heard, that's exactly what he did. He went and got the real information. And guess where he got it? He got it from the Biden administration. We cannot go all electric. It physically, scientifically can't be done. Now, could it possibly be done over a period of time? This is the United States of America. When we come together as one, as a nation instead of 330 million individuals, but when we come together as one, we can do anything we put our minds and our hearts to. So we could do it. Will we do it? And how will we do it? And when will we do it? Those are things that Joe Biden doesn't have a clue or realistic, even this guy. We're paying him. This is a guy in the Biden administration that he is a so-called expert. He didn't even know how much electricity we need or how much electricity we already produce as a nation. 
and he's telling us we need to go all electric, and it's not feasible. It will not work. In fact, in large part, we are going backwards in our energy production and ability to take care of energy needs for the whole nation. Don't you think it would be a good way to figure this out? To start at the bottom, draw a baseline. Here's what we have to get just to take care of our present needs. The electricity we need this year to operate everything in our life. And the government has those statistics because they base it on last year. We have the numbers, the data. And so you start there and you build the plan that takes into consideration the population is going to grow. Well, maybe it won't. It didn't last year. Last year is the first time in U.S. history more people died than were born. But let's just consider we make a little a little leeway in our projections and think that we're going to go back to having more babies than we are burying moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas, okay? So let's just give us ourselves a little buffer there, and maybe we go up 10% as a projection, just to be safe. And then look at it on the same basis for the next year, and the next year, and the next year. And then you factor in all the other things that are going on, which is obviously if you start using more electric cars, you're going to be less dependent upon gasoline, fossil fuels, You've got to factor in all the facts before you start mandating the massive changes that this president is not talking about. He's shoving it down the throats of Americans already. The one thing that absolutely has to be figured, we've got to come up with this. An all-in process. Now, what are you talking about? I'm talking about solar. I'm talking about electric. I'm talking about hydrogen. I'm talking about fossil fuels. We've got to come up with a plan, a real plan that is discussed, researched, totally based on science. What is feasible even if we can do it and get there, what is feasible to go away from fossil fuels? Guess what? It can't be done. Fossil fuel, at least in the next decade, two decades, three decades, has got to be part of the energy solution. Why is that? We can't see. These experts have no clue what the reality of getting off of fossil fuel if it ever can be realistically achieved. And then the other question is, why would we? Why would we? The climate change numbers that we've been given are all false. Science, based on science. Production of electricity, it's impossible to replace fossil fuels. We don't have the capability. We don't have the know-how to even get to that and figure out if we could get to that when we could get there. So what do we do? We just destroy one whole sector of our 
economy, energy. That's what Joe Biden has done, among other things. Facts matter, folks. Facts matter. We've got to start with facts and make some intelligent choices moving forward. You want to hear about another insane non-fact coming out of this White House? This is going to make you puke. Border Patrol agents apprehended 40,000 migrants. 40,000. Well, that's not so many, Dan. Uh, They did this in the southwest border in 10 days. 40,000 southwest border in 10 days. The Tucson and Rio Grande Valley sectors reported more than 10,000. Now, add all that up. Unofficial reports obtained from law enforcement show that during the first 10 days of August, Border Patrol agents apprehended 39,324 migrants who crossed illegally between ports of entry. This is an average of 5,708 such apprehensions every day. Every day. Following a sharp drop in June, migrant apprehensions reportedly spiked again in July with the arrest of more than 130,000 migrants. This is from the Washington Post. Not a uh, conservative uh, bastion of... uh, impartiality or truth, right? If the current apprehension rate in August continues, Customs and Border Protection could report the apprehension of almost 200,000 migrants in August alone. Biden said last week, you heard him say it, I did several times, oh, our numbers are down, our numbers are down. Alejandro Mayorkas in testimony. Oh, we, you know, we, we, we've got control of it. The border's not open. The border's not open. We got it handled. None of that is true. It's wide open. How many millions of people that can't afford their own lives, how many more of them, how many more millions do we need to bring in before somebody's going to say, that's enough. We got to stop. We can't do this. Or will it ever happen? Will we ever say that? Or is this a a lifelong thing? Look what happened over in Europe a few years ago. Remember that? When all those illegals were coming out of the northern Africa countries, were coming across the Med, flooded into nations all over Europe. The graft and corruption and crime went through the roof in Germany alone. Women were scared to death to even go outside. I'm not talking about at night. Any time during the day, they would not, could not go out without some male or a couple of males protecting them when they went out because these illegals were attacking these women. There was no rhyme or reason to that process. Those European nations like Germany and Switzerland and Sweden, they just opened up their borders and said, you people need help? Come on in. Same kind of thing we're doing here in the U.S., If it doesn't work, you got to stop it. You got to find ways to do things that actually are necessary, available, literally achievable, and then put a plan together, a credible plan together to make it happen. None of that's happened. None of that happens under the Biden administration. 
And I could say something really tacky like, why would he need to do that? He's got all the money he would ever want. It's not all about money. In fact, most of it is having a good life, being safe, having freedom and liberty. And everybody treated the same under the law instead of the enlightened folks on the left having the upper hand looking at those conservative mega maga people that all they want is equal justice under the law. <laughs> oh, the left's better than that. They know better. They're never going to let us get the same kind of legal stuff that they have. Why not? They're Democrats. The Democrat Party is a party of the future. You don't think so, just ask them. Got a story here that I want to tell you about. Jamie Raskin, who's one of the most idiotic members of Congress. I don't know any other way to say it. If he was sitting here, I'd say the same thing. He's a Democrat from Maryland. He just opened his mouth over the weekend and stuck his foot in it. It's so obviously. Before I even looked it up and confirmed how ludicrous what he said was, I started laughing at the guy. What did he say? Up next. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24-7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza, and we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrap deep deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Remember that song? Tommy J. 
James and the Tommy James and the Shondells. I believe that's the name of it. Dragging the line. Oh my gosh, that was a huge hit back in the '60s, and everybody thought, "Man, that's great rock and roll music." <laughs> that's that's nowhere near rock and roll music. What did you do this weekend? Do anything productive? Were you with family? I mean, this is this is a really tough time in the United States, especially in our state, to get outside. And normally, I mean, everybody, you love to get outside in the summertime. I mean, yesterday, just driving mid-afternoon down the road, it was 107 degrees in Shreveport, Louisiana. Hasn't rained in almost a month. No rain in our forecast, not even a little shower any time this week. And, of course, the climate change folks, they're talking about, oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is all because we evil Americans, we're putting so much stuff in the atmosphere. Carbon is everywhere. I tell you what, I would be more prone to get into that conversation if we had any kind of hope of getting every country on earth to take care of their climate problems that are directly impacting the rest of us. And listen, when you have the country of China, they are going publicly opening one coal-powered energy plant a week. Coal. (laughs) They're not concerned about the climate problems in China. They're concerned about living. And then India is the same way. They're the number two producers of pollution on earth. John Kerry wants us to burden ourselves with all of the climate issues that aren't even real, but those that he says are. Just listen to me. Just listen to me. Enough about that. Jamie Raskin. Going into the break, I told you, he just showed his butt yesterday. He was on ABC's This Week. Listen to what he said. He said that former President Donald Trump used government as an, and I'm going to quote him, Donald Trump used government as an instrument for private self-enrichment. Raskin said, during the Trump administration, we saw the development of a completely new public philosophy, which is that government is not an instrument of the common good and the common instrument. Government is for the private self-enrichment for the guys that gets in for his family and his private businesses. And that's a model we're seeing all over the world. Jonathan Carl, he was the ABC anchor, And Carl said, you don't approve of that model, obviously. Raskin said, I do not. That's what Putin is doing. So he's comparing Donald Trump with Vladimir Putin of Russia. No facts, no reality, just 10,000 feet screaming and hollering. Jamie Raskin is what I've always termed nothing but a drive-by shooter. No accountability, nobody called him. Jonathan Carl could have said, what are you basing that on? But he didn't. But Raskin said this, it's new for America that somebody would get in and just say, you know, everything is corrupt and I'm just as corrupt as the next guy. And I'm going to take money as Trump did from China, from Saudi Arabia, from the United Arab Emirates, 
Look, you know, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, pocketed a cool $2 billion. Raskin added, I'm concerned not just about public officials like Donald Trump and Jared Kushner, but even family members who go along for the ride. And I've been begging my colleague, Chairman Comer, for us to do a serious serious analysis of what the law should be about making money. Raskin concluded, and we're going to release a report about all of the foreign government emoluments, millions of dollars we can document that Donald Trump pocketed at the hotels, at the golf courses, to business deals when he was president, and that his family got. But they've not laid a glove on Joe Biden. As president, they haven't been able to show any criminal corruption on his part. What they've got is Hunter Biden. And so when I read that, I thought to myself, this confirmed it. Jamie Raskin is an idiot. Because only an idiot would go down that road and embarrass himself beyond comprehension on national television. I know people from Maryland. I haven't talked to anybody since I found this story yesterday. And I haven't talked to anybody in Maryland. But I got to find out. (laughs) You guys elect him? So let me give you some facts about Donald Trump. And the facts I'm going to give you, they're, they're from a very impartial source especially when it comes to conservatives, these numbers came from CNN. (laughs) Listen to this. In 2019, October of 2019, President Trump said that being president is costing him money, lots of it. Whether I lost $2 billion, $5 billion or less, it doesn't make any difference, Trump said. I don't care. I'm doing this for the country. I'm doing it for the people. Well... The story says he definitely cares. And now we know, thanks to the new Forbes 400 list released on Tuesday. Forbes, of course, every person that's wealthy in the world, not just the United States, they can't wait to send all their financial transaction numbers to Forbes to publish, right? Anyway, (laughs) that Forbes 400 list released showed how much less rich Trump is today than when he ran for and won the presidency in 2016. Now, here we go. I wonder if Mr. Raskin's listening in today. In 2016, Trump was worth $3.7 billion. That's, again, according to Forbes, $3.7 billion. That dropped to $3.1 billion in 2017. That's only, you know, $600 million flushed down the drain because Donald Trump wasn't running his company He was at the White House. That number held there for 2018 and 2019. Now, this story was written in 2020. Forbes said this, but this year, 2020, Trump's net worth dropped to $2.5 billion. That $600 million, Forbes said, that $600 million decline led Trump to drop from the 275th richest person in America in 2019 to the 352nd richest in 2020, a drop of 77 spots. 
It took a net worth of $2.1 billion to even make it to the top 400. So why the dip in Trump's fortune? Coronavirus. The value of office buildings, hotels, and resorts have taken a hit amid the pandemic. That's from Forbes. Now $2.5 billion is still a lot of money, like a lot of money. This is CNN again. And being one of the richest 400 people in America is pretty exclusive company. But if you don't think that the decline in his overall wealth and his position on the Forbes 400 will irk Trump, then you don't know Trump. This, from Jonathan Greenberg, a one-time reporter for Forbes, makes clear how much Trump cares. Now, keep in context. This is, this is the network that they make Every dollar they make, and they don't make profit, they lose money left and right, CNN. They love having Donald Trump in office because they can have content every day just going after the orange man. Here's what Jonathan Greenberg said. In May 1984, an official from the Trump Organization called to tell me how rich Donald Trump was. I was reporting for the Forbes 400, the magazine's annual ranking of America's richest people, for the third year in a row. In the previous edition, we'd valued Trump's holding at $200 million, only one-fifth of what he claimed to own in our interviews. This time, his aide urged me on the phone. I needed to understand just how loaded Trump really was. The official was John Barron, a name we now know as an alter ego of Trump himself. So central is Trump's wealth to his self perception that he made a major show of how much money he had during the speech announcing his 2016 presidential candidacy. Quote, and I have assets, big accounting firm, one of the most highly respected, $9,240,000,000. Trump told the audience gathered in Trump Tower that day in June of 2015 when he and Melania came down the escalator. And he added, so I have a total net worth, and now with the increase, it'll be well over $10 billion. But here, total net worth of net worth, not assets, not a net worth after all debt, after all expenses, the greatest assets, Trump Tower, 1290 Avenue of the Americas, Bank of America building in San Francisco, 40 Wall Street, sometimes referred to as the Trump building right opposite the New York, many other places all over the world. So the total is $8,730,540,000. In that same speech, Trump noted, I'm really rich, and later made clear that all of this talk about his money wasn't to brag, because you know what? I don't have to brag. I don't have to believe it or not. Any way you couch it, (laughs) being president cost Donald Trump a buttload full of money. Jamie Raskin, remember, he called him a grifter and said, we've got to, we've got to pass laws to stop people from, like Donald Trump, from making big money when they run and get in office. We could start, Mr. Raskin, with your fellow members of the House of Representatives in the Senate and make it, you could, you could introduce the bill, Mr. Raskin, that says anybody that is elected to Congress, must put every asset they have in a blind blind trust before they take office. 
Now, what's a blind trust? Legally, a blind trust means all of their assets go into this trust and they hire somebody to independently function and operate the assets that are owned by that trust. And the person, the politician, no matter top to bottom, president, vice president, member of the House of Representatives, an appointed, say somebody's appointed to serve as the secretary of one of the, like Mayorkas, one of the divisions of the cabinet. Everybody puts their entire bunch of assets in a trust and hires somebody that they do trust that cannot be a family member. That would take all this away, but you think they'll do that? No. No, and they would never stop going after Donald Trump. They don't give a rip how much money he lost as president. They just don't want him to do anything good for himself. And you know what? The American people get that. In large part, we get that. So let's switch the gears. We've got 20 minutes left of the show. Let's switch the gears just a little bit. We just told you a few minutes ago about the massive influx of illegals in the Southwest Quadrant in just one month. That, by the way, is on President Joe Biden's watch. That is unilaterally caused by Joe Biden's refusal to enforce the rule of law, the laws that are part of the constitutional structure of our government, all the laws regarding illegal immigration and how legal immigration is to happen as opposed to illegal immigration. He just turned his back on all that. He decided, no, I'm just going to do what I want. I'm the president. I'm Joe Biden. I can do anything I want. So let's put a few things in context for you. Just in these these last few minutes, I want to do this. Biden's deputies are asking the House Republican majority to fund new travel and housing programs for more what they call economic migrants who are being encouraged to take opportunities needed by ordinary Americans. In other words... They're wanting the house, our people's house. We taxpayers, we put these people, we elect them to go up there and not represent Joe Biden or anybody else other than us. Mike Johnson is my congressman, 4th Congressional District in North Louisiana. When I need something, when I need to talk to a lawmaker about something that specifically impacts where I live, I reach out to Mike Johnson. So his deputies are asking the Republicans in the House of Representatives to fund new travel and housing programs for more economic migrants. Now, what are economic migrants as opposed to regular illegal migrants? Economic migrants are these cheap, low-paying, happy-to-get-a-gig people that are coming here And I'm not denigrating them at all. Only reason I would ever denigrate anybody that immigrates here is if they do it illegally. But if there is any migrant out there that wants to come to the United States, do it the legal way, go through the process to earn the right to become maybe down the road a U.S. citizen, I'm fine with that. So what are they specifically asking the House to fund? 
They requested on August 10th, four days ago, $3.3 billion. $3.3 billion with a B. It's not all designed to promote more illegal immigration, but most of it seems to be. That's according to Mark Kikorian, director of the Center for Immigration Studies. And he added, which is why there's resistance among a lot of Republicans to increase funding for the Department of Homeland Security. If DHS was using the money to actually stop the flow of illegals, Republicans will be falling all over themselves to vote for it. But that's not what this administration wants to with the due extra money for DHS. They want to use it to speed up the arrival of more people who have no right to be here. The border guard, he said, I like this, has become nothing more than a Walmart greeter. Just before the White House released this request, Chip Roy, Republican from Texas, 14 other Texas GOP members urged the Republican majority to block funding for Biden's migration program. Simply put, No member of Congress should agree to fund a federal agency at war with his state and his people, Texas. We have a moral obligation to protect our state, our nation, and importantly, the migrant children getting abused from the disaster transpiring at our southern border. No border security, no funding. Chip Roy's letter said amid the growing public opposition to the Democrats who are bringing migrants into New York, Chicago, California, Maine, and other Democrat-run districts. Many Republicans also oppose continued funding for the war, Ukraine, which is apparently stuck in a no-negotiation, high-casualty stalemate. The opposition is driven in part by the economic cost, which is pushing government spending well above recently agreed spending targets. Interesting, isn't it? So White House officials and the establishment media, they are characterizing the extra migration spending as a gain for border security. Now you figure this out. New York Times wrote this Friday. Mr. Biden sought to sweeten the pot by adding politically popular spending to the Ukraine aid. The supplemental appropriation request includes 12 billion dollars for disaster relief, four billion dollars for border security. But the devil's always in the detail, right? The details show that most of the border spending is intended to bring in even more economic migrants, not to keep them out. Up to eight hundred million dollars is intended to fund new migrant pathways from Colombia, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Ecuador, into multiple U.S. communities. These, they're called safe mobility offices, are intended to offer a safer and cheaper route for African, European, and Asian economic migrants who are seeking to break into the United States. A growing number of global migrants fly into Ecuador or Colombia before they even start their trek to our Texas border. This growing flow of illegals skews our economy in favor of investors, Wall Street, and the coastal states. Biden's request also asked for an extra 
$714 million for Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, that's ICE, which was created to deport illegal migrants. But the request also asked for permission to move funding around in the agency. Uh Uh-huh. So that funding can be used for the housing program that would shelter migrants while they take these U.S. jobs they need to pay off their smuggling debts. The program would also provide illegal migrants with free legal advice on how to slip through the immigration rules that were enacted to protect Americans from illegal migrants. The request also asked for an additional $600 million for FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. FEMA funds many of the transport networks and shelters that migrants use as they displace these locals from jobs in New York, Chicago, and other cities. The extra support money would likely help minimize and hide the local political and economic damage of Biden's migration in Democrat-run cities. By the way, he's also imported already 6 million migrants for economic purposes in less than three years. That strategy has helped investors. You know, those evil wealthy people, those people that we've got to make them pay more in taxes. It's a circle, folks. It's all going in a circle. You're a big corporation. You want to get labor, qualified workers that are cheaper than you're paying to the Americans that work there. So we're going to displace these Americans that have been working hard And the only reason we're going to do it is because these big corporations, those evil corporations that Joe Biden hates, you know, those evil corporations which gave him hundreds of millions of dollars for his campaign back in 2020, you know, those people. At the same time, they're putting Americans out of work and reducing Americans' wages. Biden's huge inflow includes roughly 2 million legal migrants, Three and a half million illegal and quasi-legal migrants allowed through the southern border. Roughly 1.6 million gotaways who sneaked over the border. And that 1.6 million is the one we know about. How many more did get that got across that we don't have any idea? Plus hundreds of thousands of migrants who have refused to go home when their legal visas expire. This whole policy, this Biden policy is enriched. The smuggling cartels encourage them to expand the human smuggling business to South America and overseas. For example, cartels have expanded to control the migrant pathways in Panama and Colombia that were built by Alejandro Mayorkas, Biden's pro-migration DHS secretary. This request shows how the lawyers in Biden's DHS have reversed the meaning of the nation's immigration laws, which Congress passed to protect us, Americans, from mass migration. Some Republican politicians are already pushing back against the August 10th request. Oh, by the way, it also asked for another $24 billion for the war in Ukraine, $12 billion for domestic disaster Recovery, $24 billion for the war in Ukraine and $12 billion for domestic disaster recovery. Let me just give you a note for tomorrow's show. Sam Bankman-Fried, you remember that guy, 
the cryptocurrency monster that stole billions of investors' dollars on his cryptocurrency exchange. Now, cryptocurrency is not evil. Sam Bankman-Fried had access to these billions of dollars worth of cryptocurrency because he created an exchange. It's kind of like uh, uh, Merrill Lynch or somebody like that. We give them money. We open an account there. We put our money in there. They invest it for us. He was supposedly doing the same thing. For tomorrow's show, Dunstan Teo, he came on right in the middle of the Sam Bankman freed thing, and he told us live where that money in large part that was supposed to go, that first chunk of cash from the United States to Ukraine, where it went. He is, without question, the smartest cryptocurrency man on the planet. One of the, well, he was a managing operator of the beginning of Bitcoin. I know him personally. He's a good friend of mine. I'm going to pull that segment out of that show that he was on and play it for you during tomorrow's show. Truth matters. It really does, and we need to get to that. So what about inflation in your world? We don't have a lot of time left in the show. But I want you to hear what Corinne Jean-Pierre answers the questions from Peter Ducey about inflation under Joe Biden and the reality. But I want you to listen to how she squirms and can't answer. Uh, The president's Twitter account posted the other day, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? Um, so, are you talking about a specific tweet? He tweeted, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Look, you know, we have talked about, um, we have talked about this this past year, uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. Um, and that is important to do. And uh, that is something that, uh, you know, the president has been, you know, working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. And so it's very important uh, that, uh, you know, as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to, you know, uh, you know, build an America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind, that is an important part uh, of that as well. Seriously? But how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well right, especially those who care about climate change uh, to support a fair tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings, that the most fortunate people in our nation and not let that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this existential problem, if you think about that as an example, and to support basic collective bargaining rights as well, right? That's also important. But look, it is, you know, by not, if, without having a fair tax code, which is what I'm talking about, then all, every, like manufacturing workers, cops, you know, it's not fair for them to have to pay higher taxes than the folks that, who are, who are, who are not paying taxes at all. That is the ugliest word salad I've ever come, I've ever heard come out of the mouth of anybody in our government. 
Joe Biden actually made a statement. He claimed that we got to raise taxes to help our inflation problem. Jean Chapri, she just did everything she could to come up with the explanation for that, and there wasn't any. It's just around in circles. Without question, the most inept White House press agent that we've ever had has nothing to do with her sexual preference, has nothing to do with her skin color. She just can't get the job done the right way. But I guess that's okay. After all, it is a Biden administration. One last story on the way out of here. Militants who left their fingerprints on IEDs that were meant to kill Americans in Afghanistan and a prisoner that was freed by the Taliban, all of those people together, those militants, that prisoner that was released by the Taliban, they were part of 65 terrorists that we, Joe Biden, allowed into the United States after the Afghanistan withdrawal. Most of these people are still roaming our country, and the government has no idea where they are. This damning revelation made in a new book add to the laundry list of blunders from the Biden administration during and after that disastrous evacuation of Kabul in August of 2021. We got problems, folks. We got problems. We've got to get our arms around them. We've got to take control and make sure everybody in government that represents us is abiding by the rule of law. Don't you think? That's a wrap on the show today. I want to thank you for joining us. Have a great day. We're back tomorrow in our second hour. Steve Baker, investigative journalist, will join us as he does every Tuesday. Until then, have a great day. See you tomorrow.